to episode 14 of my hockey your hockey um got another exciting show today we've got uh for once and i think since one of our first shows another player we've got zach solo freshman from northeastern one of the more exciting players throughout uh, college hockey and he'll talk about a little bit about his development but uh excited again to have another week and uh, a lot of things coming up right around the corner Hey, it's uh, it's it's either the end of the season for some people out there, or the most exciting time of the season. Um, definitely excited about the interview with Zach. Um, Zach, one of the top freshmen, as you said, um, his team had definitely had a real shot at potentially yeah. getting to the Frozen Four. Um, disappointing loss in uh, I think they they ran into a hot Michigan team, um, but. Um, no, uh, it's exciting. I know um, getting down the stretch for your team specifically, um, a lot of the pro teams have like a couple weeks, uh, one to two weeks left of the season. Yeah, two weekends left, and uh, obviously everybody's trying to make a push unless you're completely out. If you're completely out, you're polishing up your clubs and <laughs> trying to plan your vacations. But uh, <laughs> but I know even those guys would rather be playing for something and have an opportunity to get to that second season, which they call it, which is uh in our opinion, when you're coaching or playing, it's the, the best time of the year, and uh, it's fun. So, you know, it, it's all over the place. You know, in junior, they're in playoffs. In college, they're, in the, they're up to the Frozen Four now, and I think there's uh, nationals with all the young kids. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, the pros are at the, at the point where it's uh, playoff hockey as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that time of year. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, uh, touching on nationals, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, obviously – um, at my hockey rankings, I spend some time, um, number one, helping USA Hockey um, with their process, but also uh, we keep a, a good eye on things. Uh, as many people know, we throw the flags out to help identify for quick identification of the teams that have qualified for nationals um, and that kind of stuff. And uh, actually, just this past weekend, um, there was the National High School uh, championship. So, just going to give a quick shout out to um, uh, the teams that won this past weekend. Well, good for them. Uh, uh, real quickly, uh, Santa Margarita, California. Um, they <laughs> they scored with two seconds left on Regis Jesuit um, to tie the game and regulate the championship game in regulation um, this past Monday, and then ended up winning. Uh, that game in overtime. So congrats to Santa Margarita. Um, they're the D1 high school national champs. 
Um, at the D2 level, the Sioux City Metros, I believe they beat Monarch um, High School out of Colorado um, to take the championship as well. So uh, congrats. Good for them, yep. Um, there was a girls' championship first time this year. I think there was only four teams. Um, a Minnesota Premier Prep green team ended up taking the championship. Again, congrats. Um, switching gears to that was the preview um, for nationals. Um, uh, in a week here, we get started with the majority of the U.S. Nationals for uh, boys' youth, girls' youth, Tier 1, Tier 2, all, all starting in about a week here. Um, so uh, real quickly, uh, at the 14U level, yep. we've got um, they're playing out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, 13 of the top 16 teams in the U.S. will be there. A um, lot of good hockey uh, for Tier 1, um, 14U down in Charlotte. Yeah, and then the 15Us will be in Plymouth, Michigan. A little bit different weather there, right? don't you think? Going from Charlotte to one group and then the Plymouth, the other group? Uh, yes, so one one team made out better than the other. Yeah, if I'm a dad, I'm hoping my kid's in Charlotte. I can <laughs> maybe hit the links while we're there. But uh, as for the 15U, you know, 12 of the top 15 teams in the country will be there. So, again, some exciting hockey with some of the best teams in the country playing for uh, their ultimate goal. Yep. Hey, and uh, 16 and 18s, um, are both going to be in Philly. Um, I believe they're at Ice Line this year out in, well, actually out in Westchester. Um, and, uh, again, most of the top teams in the country, I think at 16U, it's it's um, the top 11 and 12 of the top 13 teams in the country. Um, at 18U, it's like nine of the top 11 teams. Um, some great action at the Tier 1 level. Um, we we kind of... <coughs> Excuse me. We want to give a shout out to to the teams, the locations. But again, the um, there's 14, 16U, and 18U um, tier two. Um, each of those are at their own locations. Um, I think uh, Michigan, New Jersey. I can't remember all the locations. Um, Green Bay might be in there. Um, and at the uh, then girls, all the girls stuff this year, um, both tier one and tier two. Um, is being played um, out of Marlboro, Massachusetts. So we wish all of those um, participants well. Going to be some great action um, for USA National. So yeah, good for good for all of them. And and like you said, hope uh, hope everybody comes out of it okay. But uh, everybody has a good uh, good opportunity to to win a championship. But uh, obviously, a lot of these kids are looking for the goals of what we're going to little talk about a little bit next. And that's the NCAA tournament, the Frozen Four, uh, the teams that are left how they got there and, you know, talk about a little bit of how we thought about the tournament we watched and go from there. But, you know, you look at the East region, obviously, number one, Notre Dame. Uh, they took care of business. You know, they beat Michigan Tech 4-3 in OT and Providence 2-1. to one. So, uh, you know, congrats to them. They're looking forward to it. They're always be always uh, a team that's near the top. Uh, and I think it's their first year in the Big Ten, and they're representing pretty good for them. Uh, first year in the Big Ten, yeah, congrats to Notre Dame. Now, they've had... I've I've watched I, I was I was in South Bend um, uh, a week and a half ago for the Big Ten Championship. Um, they've had some luck on their side. Yeah. If you if you look at their games, they've scored in the last thirty like the last thirty seconds of regulation or early in overtime in like their last four games. I think um, 
it uh, going back to their Penn State semifinal game in the Big Ten. They scored like 27 seconds to go, I think it was. Um, the first minute of overtime against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, um, overtime against Michigan Tech at the end of regulation against Providence. I mean, they they appear to be a blessed team, and maybe there's some tie to, you know. Yeah, maybe to, there is. To, to some the Notre, big guy upstairs, you know. <laughs> to, to, to the whole Notre Dame <laughs> thing there. But uh, they – uh, you know, it definitely could be their year. They've been, since Jeff Jackson's been there, which must be like a dozen years or so, they've always been a top team. I have a theory on, on Notre Dame. I'm thinking the switch to the Big Ten has made their travel schedule much better. Yeah, for sure. And maybe they're fresher this time of year, and that's helped them. Maybe they'll, maybe it'll use that to help keep the team fresh and uh, go a little bit deeper here. So, just a theory. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got the Midwest region where uh, number one seed Ohio State managed to pull through. They dominated Princeton, beat them four two, and they actually dominated Denver. Played really well against them, beat them five one. Um, so another team. There's two teams that faced each other in the Big Ten Championship, and they both moved on to the Frozen Four. And uh, a lot of people are talking about Ohio State's performance, like the the four two game over Princeton. You look at the score, you go, oh, whatever. Um, both those goals were scored in the last 40 seconds of the yep. game by Princeton. It it was pretty much a domination. I actually thought the Denver game, while the score was more lopsided, was a closer – like I thought Denver played reasonably decent. Just they they couldn't get a goal – and Ohio State capitalized when you yeah. know they made they made their chances and they put the puck in the net. Um, I still remember a couple of the Kevin Miller goals. Kevin's not one of the more prolific scorers for Ohio State, um, but you know he got the puck in the net a couple times. And, and when they had a chance, they capitalized. And uh, if you ever saw the interview with Jim Montgomery afterwards, I mean Jim giving a huge shout-out to Ohio State because they really shut down. The Denver team definitely had a chance to repeat this year. Yeah, yeah, they did with the guys they had back, Detroit Terry's, the Bjorks, you know, the Bjorks and those guys that have all signed. So, And, and um, their goalie, uh, yeah. uh, I was going to say Gillespie, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Um, good goaltending, good leadership. They had every chance to repeat. And, um, you know, again, congrats to Ohio State for that. Yeah, and then in the Northeast region, number two, Michigan, uh, managed to pull through. They scraped by Northeastern 3-2, then knocked off a solid uh, BU team 6-3. So, again, they uh, they found their way. Again, another Big Ten team. The Big Ten teams are uh, kind of solidifying themselves. Is that three Big Ten teams? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Wow. Isn't it? um, and, and actually, while Northeastern was a number uh, – I'm sorry, while Michigan was a number two seed, Notre Dame and Ohio State number one seeds – um, Michigan was a number two seed, but is as hot almost as anyone. Like the last half of the year, this is a team that has, I don't think it made the, the tournament the last couple of years. For a while. It's, you know, obviously it's the first year without Red as well. Yes. You know, it's and, Mel Pearson's first year, and the, the job he did with these guys is phenomenal when you watch him. And, and I, I've got to find the right way to say this. Um, Red Berenson is. Is Michigan hockey? Is Michigan hockey? And, yeah. and I love the fact that he's still going to the games. They yeah. they keep showing him like it, he he seems to find the seat at the top of the bleachers or whatever. I love it that he's still he's still he's still Michigan hockey. Yeah. The flip side is, um, 
they seem to have found another level to their game this year. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and maybe not even in the first half of the year. Um, they seem to have it going now. And um, a, definitely a, a team that can win it all. Yeah, for sure. And then out, uh, out west, you've got Minnesota Duluth, the number three seed. Squeaked by Minnesota State, 3-2 in OT. And then uh, another one squeaked by Air Force, 2-1. So... You know, one uh, that's one team that's not from the Big Ten, so it's kind of interesting. But it's uh, you know, it's another team that has a great program and a great tradition behind it too, as well. Yeah, um, they've won in the last five years. If I'm not mistaken, they won they won the national championship in the last five years. They yep. they've um, they they've been there. Like last year, they were they were right there. Um, they're in a good. tough conference too. I'm t- sorry, they're in a tough conference. A real <laughs> tough conference. I would have almost said that is the best conference in college hockey. The Big Ten this year might have given it a run for its money. Uh, don't get me wrong. Hockey East is a great conference, although they may not have the depth from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, that that right now the the Big Ten and the, what, NHCH or yeah. whatever it is, um, NCHC um, has. But Duluth came out of a great conference. Um, they might have had the easiest path there, and they still might be the weakest team in the finals. But don't take – I mean, when, when you see Air Force, the number 16 overall seed, beat St. Cloud State kind of handily yeah. in the first round, it does mean anyone can win the tournament. So going to be some great action in Minneapolis um, in, in next week. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fun to watch and, uh, you know, take – take an eye and see who uh, who can come out of it obviously with us uh, there's some ties for for yourself and myself obviously with Ohio State a little bit there's a you know a kid that you grew up with your son grew up with playing with and I was able to coach him as an assistant for a little while and it's good to see a kid like Mason Yops have that opportunity because he's worked so hard his whole career to get to where he needs to be and uh, he's been the leader of that team and hopefully he can pull him through the next level um yeah and and what I'm excited about like you, you you're talking to Ohio State right there what I'm excited about there is I I love it when the when the non-traditional schools step up and take their their game to another level. And I think while Ohio State's had a D1 program now for something like 50 years. It, it's it's longer than I realized. Yeah. Um they've never they've made one Frozen 4. They made it in 98. Yep, 10, uh, yeah, yep. 20, 20 years ago yep. they they made it in 98. Um they're not a traditional powerhouse in yeah. hockey. Rollick has been a great coach, um, surrounded himself with good assistant coaches. Um, they're definitely taking their game to another level. And, um, you know, I, I think that's good for college hockey. I was I was a fan, even though, even though I'm not a fan of, like, Quinnipiac or Union, I was a fan when those guys were out there winning their national championships because I think – you know, parity, having 60 good programs, not five or 10 good programs, but having, you know, as close to 60 top-notch programs in the country is good for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the New York Yankees when they try to dominate <laughs> baseball, and I'm not, I, I, I don't necessarily want to see one college hockey program dominate. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Notre Dame and their first national championship. Um, Ohio State in their first national championship, Duluth in their second, if I'm not mistaken. And, hey, congrats to Michigan and their team if they end up winning their, I think it would be their seventh or eighth or ninth or something like that. But, but again, I'd like to see the new guys up there um, 
uh, getting a chance for their schools to hang a banner. Yeah, yeah. And then also you see the teams that are out and not making it and moving on. A lot of those kids are signing now with their NHL teams, leaving school. Some leaving school early. Some are after actually seniors and, and good to go. And, you know, it just begs to differ. It's kind of like, uh, especially like you saw BU last year, a few of their one-and-dones type thing left oh. and went to, to the pros. They signed big tickets to NHL. But that's the ultimate goal for these guys. So uh, Well, and, and, and these days... Um, college hockey is definitely a, a developer of professional hockey talent. Mm -hmm. And, um, for some of those kids, um, they might, they might see the writing on the wall at the next level after a year or two. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of those kids that play four years and, and maybe never step on, you know, pro ice yep but but you know are able to give their school four years of of good hockey get a good education and and move on with their life but you know to those kids who get that opportunity to sign a pro contract whether it's straight into the nhl or at the lower levels um you know congrats to them for their hard work and and you know that kind of reward at the end yeah they're all looking for opportunity and uh you know sometimes you look at the big dollars you can't really turn those down when and you can always go back and finish school i've had this discussion with assistant coaches and other coaches throughout the you know do you would you leave early if you had to go back to sign a ticket or would you stay and finish school and obviously each case is different obviously but uh you know, you look at it, if you can sign a, a one-way uh, entry-level deal in the NHL for, for 900 or 950, you'd probably do that because, you know, you can always look to go back to school. I mean, whether you want to say it or not, whether these kids go back or not, but you have that opportunity. But there's only one contract. You know, you, you knock on wood, you hope you don't go back to school and something happens because then you don't get that contract or you have a bad year. There's a lot of different ifs. But, again, each each scenario is different with each kid. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it, to your point, it, it's not all the same. You got some guys who score a boatload of points in college hockey who are not really necessarily – their game's not well suited for the pros and you got exactly. some other guys who you're going I didn't even know this guy played college hockey and you see him in the show in a year or two yeah um and it, you know it's different for for all of them um you know I just hope that they all make the decision that's best for them and and there is not one right decision it yep. is it is an individual based thing um but I know um uh, collegehockey.org has uh, has a list of all the signings out there yeah. and you know uh, there's, uh, you know, there's teams that are putting six, eight guys out in, into pro hockey. Um, I think Northeastern was lucky enough. Um, we're going to be talking to Zach here. They had some real good leadership this year. I think they had three guys sign NHL contracts. I don't know if they're all going straight to the show or if some of them are getting sent down to the A. But but um, they had some good leadership. And, and, you know, teams where three guys are signing NHL deals, you know, congrats to... To, to the schools, to the kids that, that are, you know, yeah. helping them get to that next level. Yeah, yeah. Some kids, it does take four years for them to, to hone their game. And like you said, though, some kids, sometimes they, they get to college and maybe they get a new coach and it's different and maybe their game's not suited for the, the college game. You get some bigger guys that maybe aren't as fast that can play a nice down-low hockey game at the pro level where you look at the college game, it's a lot of speed. It's a lot of speed, and these kids can fly now and can skate fast. And, you know, you'll talk to uh, – we'll talk to Zach, like you said, and he's going to kind of probably reiterate some of the things they, they do in their practices that they have to get better at. And 
that's just what kids need to do is you have to you have to be able to skate now and if you can do anything you can all summer and work on skating that's fantastic <laughs> you know I, I i hadn't thought about this ahead of time but i'm going to throw it out yeah the one thing that stops kids from moving forward um i think more than anything else is is skating ability yep um if you if you're spending anything in the summer um I, I, don't get me wrong shooting you know if you're a forward um shoot pucks shoot pucks shoot pucks yeah. you know I, i'm not i'm not discounting that but the one thing that i see um and it could be at the junior level it can be at the college level it can be at the pro level the one thing that seems to stop a fair number of kids is they don't have the skating ability to to play at that level and and then you know they tail off Yep. Yeah, that's um, for sure. So if you get a chance to hit the treadmills just to be on the ice, working with a personal coach on the power skating side of it, whatever, um, can't can't recommend that enough in the off season. Well, let's see. Let's uh, let's put your uh, your hat on to see who you think is going to win it all here in uh, in the NCAA's. You th- you, just by basing that, I know you might. I know you're a ho- avid hockey fan, and I know you watch the games. I know you scout the games. I know. I know you watch their edge work and stick handling. So who do you think? Pick one team, one of the four. Who are you going with? Okay. Um, I, I'm not happy that you've put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, I, I do have a favorite that I want to win. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it this way. If I had one team, if you forced me to put my life savings on one team, I would say... Notre Dame seems blessed. Yeah. Um, if you asked who I want to win, it might be someone else that you have ties to. That I have yeah. ties to. Yeah. yeah. But if they're definitely Notre Dame, just seems to like <laughs> any. They, they could play each other in the final, which is kind of neat too. The two uh, the two Big Ten teams in the championship, Big Ten championship, could play each other for the finals. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it it and, and it, by the way, in a Big Ten city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though the team from that city is not there, although that's a whole other interesting story. Congrats to Bob Motzkow for getting the University of Minnesota head coaching job after Don Lucia stepped down. Um, unrelated subject, but uh, um, Bob Motzkow has been a great figure in, in uh, college hockey and actually has coached the last two U.S. junior teams. Yeah. So uh, brought back goal for him. That was great for them. Yes, yeah. and, and and I'm sure he's uh, the bigger stadium, the bigger the bigger arena in uh, in downtown Minneapolis or in almost downtown Minneapolis is going to allow him to um, be better compensated going forward. I suspect that was the rationale for um, his decision, and 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 I wish him the best. Um, at the move to Minnesota, but my pick was if I had if I in in betting with my mind and not my heart, it's Notre Dame. Back to you, you you asked the question. It's it's back to you. If you had to bet on a team, who do you think's doing it? Well, I always like to go with the team that's not slated to win, the underdog, and I'm going to go with Minnesota Duluth. That's just for that reason. That's the only reason I'm going to go for it. Because oh. there's, no, there's no Indiana team where I cheer for them. Okay. I, I got you. Um, 
And you know what? Duluth has the coaching. They've got the personnel. I I don't think they're the favorite to win by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't – I mean, honestly, I, if – I can't imagine that any team has got that much greater of odds than any of the other – like, all four of these teams can win this yeah. championship. Yeah. So. yeah, it's been good. But, uh, no, we're getting ready to, to bring Zach on here, so we're excited to talk to him and talk about a little bit about his path and, uh, and what he thought of his first tournament and kind of go from there. So uh, coming up next, we'll have Zach Solo from Northeastern. Hey, we're honored to have as uh, our guest this week in My Hockey, Your Hockey, one of the top freshmen in college hockey, Zach Solo from Northeastern. Zach, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, last weekend you were the number three seed in the Northeast region of the NCAA tournament, um, and you guys ran into a hot uh, Michigan Wolverines team. Uh, I'd like to get your impressions on your first NCAA tournament as a player. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, it was a great atmosphere in, in Worcester and um, playing a tournament to do or die. Anyone can win. And, uh, you know, we played a really good Michigan team. Um, we had tough, tough first round matchup. There's no easy games. And um, it was just uh, it was a really good experience. It sucks uh, we didn't get to go far, but uh, it was a, it was a nice, nice ride. Hey, speaking of tournaments, Zach, um, you know, Northeastern, you guys won your first bean pot in 30 years this year, and I know you had family and everything, but how big of a thrill was that for you guys, not only yourself, but the team as well? Oh, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. We we get compliments every day from, you know, like workers or restaurants, just congratulations on the bean pot. Like, thanks for bringing it home for us. And um, after the uh, after the, the win, you know, there was a, there was a bunch of uh, alumni who were super, super happy to there been 30 years, you know, since the last bean pot. They they uh, never really got to experience one, and we uh, we gave it to them this year, so they were um, really really happy, and uh, they they support us super well. Like we always always have plenty of fans at the garden, and um, to to win for them it was awesome. Another thing too with your team, you guys uh, most of your goals were scored by your couple guys or three guys this year that have NHL contracts, so. You know, looking at late next year a little bit, where do you see yourself as being one of the leaders and how you're looking to help with that uh, that part of the game for your team? Yeah, you know, it's it's it starts right now, uh, just getting ready and uh, getting uh, getting into, you know, getting bigger, stronger, faster for next year. But um, I just think uh, we're going to need everyone to, to, to contribute to win. We're going to be a, a win-by-committee team. We're not going to have, you know, uh, the flashy, you know, superstars we had this year, the guys that are, uh, carry a lot of the load for us, but um, we're going to be we're going to be a really good team next year. I think people are uh, overlooking that, maybe counting us out because we don't have them. But I think we're going to be really really strong next year. And then uh, you know now that the season's over, I know you just touched on it briefly, but do you have a specific focus on how you're going to get ready for next year? You know the weights, agility, those different kinds of things, or is it uh, maybe take a little bit of a break and then get back at the, at the things as you go on? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm specifically going to try to, you know, work on my skating, try to get faster, uh, try to get uh, heavier or stronger, um, try to work on my shot, um, you know, my forearms, quick tw- quick twitch motions and stuff. Uh, we actually start our team workouts on Monday, so uh, we we got this week off and um, we're hitting, it, hitting the ground running starting Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like no time for you guys, but uh, but that's the way it is, right? Don't you feel at at times if you're if you're not doing those things and you're waiting, you're falling behind at times. Exactly. 
Um, so, you know, you're not part. You're part of a, a big trend we're starting to see, see across U.S. hockey now over the past decade. But kids coming from non-traditional markets, you take a little bit of a, a time to tell us how you got started, where the development came, and how you ended up at uh, Northeastern. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my my dad and I. Yes. So we uh, we always go to the Florida Everblades games in the ECHL, and we are, we had season tickets. So I'd always go. I'd always be glued to the seat. My mom would always joke around and tell me that um, it's the only time where I was. I was calm and wasn't acting out, so um, she liked that. And uh, we were just watching a game on TV one day, and uh, I just said to my dad, I was like, I want to play hockey. And he, uh, we, we would always go up to the rink, go skating with my older siblings, and then um, it just kind of took off from there. So that was a, a childhood in Naples, Florida, is that right? Yep, Naples. And... Um... So you started playing as a kid um, at the rink. Is it Estero Rink? Is that is yeah. the yeah, junior right. overlay? Yeah. yeah, that facility. So growing up in what, south? I guess that would be southwestern Florida. Um, you want to you want to explain who you played for, how you kind of came up, the clubs, you know, give a little shout out to the clubs that you played for that helped get you to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, I started, you know, with the Everblades and uh, Dan Lupo, who uh, just passed away recently. Um, and then uh, I went to TPH Thunder for uh, for a little bit, a couple seasons. And I uh, went went back down to Florida with Tad O'Had and Jake LeMay and um, played uh, for the Everblades for the remainder of my time, you know, squirts and stuff. Uh, first year Bantams, and then I went to St. Louis. And uh, being from Florida, with uh, the clubs there, it's – we had guys from all over the state having to drive four hours for practice, so there was no easy, no easy uh, ways in, in Florida. So, so you went up to uh, St. Louis, played for the Amateur Blues. I think your midget minor year, and then uh, uh, what a year and a half in the NA, and in a year and a half in the USHL. Does that sound right? Yep. Yep, that's it. Sounds good. I, your last year in the USHL, uh, definitely one of the leaders in the league. So, congrats on on that, which was probably your uh, good stepping stone into into Northeastern. So, again, congrats. Um, I'm kind of curious, switching gears a little bit, that your development is definitely, like like Bernie said, it, it's more common now, um, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a common scenario years ago where the 3Ms produced 95% of the talent in the country. Um do you think that you like there was this common thing that that's where the talent was developed in the country? I'm starting to wonder maybe if if it hasn't switched to almost being the opposite, where it's easier to develop from from the non-traditional markets. Do you have any take on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've said this uh, a, a good amount of times that in Florida, non-traditional hotbeds, you know. The ice is uh, is always available. Um, Michigan, Minnesota, Massachusetts, you know, you got to practice at weird times. Ice might not be available. Other teams might be on it. Um, but in Florida, like, um, you can really focus on it all year round because, you know, other kids are playing baseball, football all year round. So um, if you're really dedicated to hockey, um, the ice is always available. So you can, you can really work on your skills and develop. Now, were you one of the – like, I know there's a fair number of kids in Florida that played a lot of roller hockey over the years. Were you one of those, or did you pretty much stick to the ice? 
Yeah, no, I I never played roller hockey. My dad, my dad wouldn't let me. He said it creates bad habits. I guess. <laughs> there is there there is that concept of you can see a roller kid on the ice because he never stops. He just sits there in the circles. <laughs> Um, but I, I appreciate that. Hey, so so growing up in the non-traditional markets, I know a lot of kids um, in those markets probably pay more attention to the rankings, um, understanding where they fit compared to the te- you know the teams from up north or whatever. Did did you pay attention to my hockey rankings as a kid? Yeah, yeah, all the time. We'd always be waiting for you know the uh, the Wednesday post just to see where we're at compared to you know Honey Baked, Little Caesars, and uh, see, you know, what the uh, who's who's playing good, and plus two, I like how you can you can click on a team's uh, name and see like uh, who they played and how they did against them. So it was very beneficial. I'd be sitting in class and just checking them, <laughs> seeing, seeing seeing if we climb up to the one spot this week. But you know, never never been there. Well, it's not all about being number one, though. I mean, but to your point, <laughs> um, you guys were always using it as maybe uh, a little motivation to. To, to keep improving yourselves. And it, it, what I found is the guys from the non-traditional markets like Florida almost paid more attention than the Michigan guys who were often playing some of their best competition. And they, you know, they knew who they were and that kind of stuff. You guys almost seemed to, to follow it a little bit more seriously because, uh, you know, your trips up north were fewer and further, you know, farther and fewer between or something like that. I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, they, they, you know, there's a lot of hype, you know, from the uh, with the kids from the 3M. So, you know, we just want to see how we compare to them if if we're uh, if we're close or how far we are from them. So, that's that, that's pretty much it. It's just like a gauge just to see where we are. Yep, absolutely. So, appreciate the the feedback on that. Hey, um, one of the things we like to do, and and, and I want to give you a chance here, is uh, we like to give players and people who've been around the sport a while a chance to give a shout out to. Um, maybe one or two coaches that have been instrumental in, in helping them get to where they've, you know, where they've gotten, um, whether it's specifically helped them or, or people that they just want to recognize as were really good coaches uh, back in the day. So I want to, I want to turn that to you and say, anyone deserving a little attention here? Yeah, I definitely think all, all my coaches um, have been extremely instrumental on the player I am today. Uh, but there is one coach that, that does stick out to me. Uh, when I was in Janesville, uh, the coaching staff there, Joe Dibble and uh, Eric Largen, uh, they, they were awesome. Coach Largen would always um, – I, I was I was in and out of the lineup kind of guy, and he would always work on little things, try to teach me the full 200-foot game and um, trying to make me a complete player. And at the time, I was like, I was like, this is like, – like, I was really, you know, fighting it. I was like, just, just off like a U16 year where I was scoring goals, you know, like – playing really good hockey and then I go to the next level of junior hockey where it's a lot tougher. I, I, I wasn't ready for it, but he, um, he really kind of showed me, um, how to play the, the, the game, honestly, and be a complete player. And it's helped me. The, the, it's literally divided. He, he defined me as, as a player, helped me, helped me define myself as a player. So it's interesting that you say that because, um, one of our first interviews on the year was Mason Yops, captain of Ohio State. And he he has a very similar story about his first year in Muskegon. Um, he went from midgets straight to the USHL. And he went in at third or fourth line and had to learn 
that part of the game. And he said, you know, almost because he went in young and he maybe wasn't complete, you know, he wasn't, he didn't step in at that first or second line. He had to learn the full game. And, you know, he credits that as a huge part of his success to this point in time where, yeah, like, you know, last year he had 50-some points. This year he has 40-some points in, 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 in D1 hockey. But but there's still that foundation of playing the 200-foot game. So it's interesting that you said that, and, and it kind of correlates with other guys that that really do appreciate those guys that, that help them learn the full aspect of the game. So, again, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I think there might be a lesson there for, for other people. Um, and maybe part of that is appreciate what your coaches are trying to teach you. You know, it might be frustrating at the time. I'm sure coming off your midget minor year, you were frustrated that you weren't getting the chance to, to score as much. But but you stuck with it. You listened, you learned, and you were better for it. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, again, I appreciate the insight there because it does correspond with what we've heard in the past. <clears throat> um, that. Uh, appreciate the time. I know it's it's tough that you're not getting to go to Minneapolis here um, for the Frozen Four, uh, but your team had a great year. I know um, you're going to be one of the leaders on Northeastern going forward here, so uh, we wish you the best, and we appreciate you spending time with us. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Best of luck, Doc. Take care. Thank you. See you guys. Yep. Again, we want to thank Zach uh, for an excellent interview. Um, and if you're a kid or a parent in a non-traditional hockey market, uh, I think Zach um, definitely uh, has has shown you a path of of you know success in hockey. You know, going from Naples, Florida, to to playing at Northeastern, having a very successful freshman campaign up there um, with an excellent team. So um, we thank Zach for uh, taking the time. And, um, hey, switching gears a little bit, we've got uh, a mailbag question. Um, Dennis from BC, British Columbia. Uh, we like the diversity there. Um, Dennis asks, uh, what are your thoughts on the top prospects for the NHL draft? Yeah, um, it's quite interesting. I guess the odds-on favorite, Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, uh, odds-on? Is is there any question? I, I Actually, have we decided... It just depends who picks. Well, actually, I was going to say... If Edmonton picks, I wonder if they'll pick a forward like they have messed up in the past, right? <laughs> you just never know. But, no, he should be the first pick for sure. I, yeah, I was going to say, it, it could depend who's picking them. I'm not sure. Is is Edmund, Does Edmonton have the first pick? or uh, No, it'll be the lottery. So they're in the lottery all the time. Oh, it's kind of it like is the lottery. Yeah, Thank they you. do that. I'm and, sorry. Uh, so Buffalo's trying to finish last like they did when they tried to get Connor McDavid, and then they ended up getting Jack Eichel. So, yeah. Um, Although both teams are now competing for the first pick this year, too. Yeah, yeah. so it'll be interesting. But, yeah, he's the clear number one. Um, you look at the top two North American players, but they're both uh, European, is uh, Andrei Sveshnikov and Filip Zadina. I didn't get, uh, you know, I don't know much about the players. I just remember watching, and the Zadina kid was good at the World Juniors. You know Real what? I, I thought Zadina was the best forward at World Juniors. Yeah. And... I'm not, I'm not sure if Darlene was the best defenseman um because I did like a I did like a few other defensemen but he's still you know he's not drafted yet. Yeah. He, he was way younger than most of the other people there and um Darlene does 
he looks like. I mean, you can't write a guy into the Hall of Fame before he's been drafted. Yeah. But that kid looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like, I know the Shveshnikov's been tearing up the OHL with Barry, but, uh, you know, the Russian team over there at the World Juniors, they like to play their older guys, and he didn't get as much of a chance to, to kind of prove himself, but uh, he's proved himself in the OHL, and they both had good careers so far there, and obviously they're going to have great careers in the NHL, uh, you would think, at some point. And then obviously we look to the, the third and fourth skaters of both U.S. We've got another Tuchuk on there, um, you know, and then we've got Quentin Hughes, another defenseman who who I watched in the tournament a little bit. Yeah, just a recent I, NCAA tournament. He looked good, too. There. I got I to gotta tell you, um, Quentin Hughes, you know, a lot of, a lot of these 17-, 18-year-old freshmen that, that try to play NCAA hockey, um, I actually don't think it helps their draft status. Mm-hmm. Most of them kind of blend in because they're playing against sometimes 25-year-olds. Yeah. And... And if you're not, if you're not even draft eligible, and you play that fresh, uh, that's literally almost like seventeen-year-old first season in the NCAA. A lot of those kids are, you know, again, way many years younger than a lot of the competition, and they they get lost. Mm-hmm. They don't excel. I don't remember how Quentin Hughes looked early in the season, but I can say it now: the kid looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be. I, he's not, I don't think he's Darlene, but I could see him, I could honestly see him going number two, but it depends who's drafting and what they need help with. Yeah. I, I think Quentin Hughes is going to be um, a, a, a phenomenal talent going forward. Um, I'm not sure he has the size, but the new NHL doesn't necessarily require. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of small guys playing defense out there right now and doing it just fine, and, and, and uh, he's not going to have an issue. So, um, you know, I know you you uh, you were raised in Sudbury and you have those Canadian roots, but you know, we haven't yet talked about a Canadian. Yeah, they're all drafted. They're all drafted. <laughs> so, no, so it's kind of uh, interesting. The top, and, and we're not talking about like I can't remember who's the well, Darlene's the number one in the European list because he's still playing in Europe. But the two top guys. On the North American list, they're both Europeans. Yeah. Then there's two Americans. The top Canadian is number five on the in the North American list. Now that doesn't mean you'll be drafted number five. You know, yeah. could be could be number two or something like that. Could be could be lower. Um, it's kind of kind of um, maybe a thin year for the. Canadian. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would be, but uh, again, I know a lot of guys like. You look at, and we, I think we've talked about this before and, and might have been with uh, Omaha's coach. Um, uh, about, oh, David, David Wilkie? Yeah, just about the depth where, you know, the, the Canadian Hockey League's a little younger, I think, and you see some 16-year-olds and stuff like that and where you look at some of these older and these kids are a little bit older, but, you know, it's it might be a down year, and it's but there are a lot of U.S. hockey players now getting drafted and from all over um, just because... I think USA Hockey's done a phenomenal job with their development at the at the US program and not only that but you've got a lot of guys that now live in these markets you look at the St. Louis market now even Arizona and even in Florida you got guys that are have played hockey and at a high level starting to run these programs and they're having kids and are helping these kids and now they're, it's they're helping to show them what it takes to yeah. To, to take your game to, to that next level and giving a kid like Zach Solo out of Naples, Florida, that chance to, 
to to play college hockey and you know if he continues to work on his game you know he should have a shot at going to the next level yeah and it's just you know he mentioned it in his in his talk about one of his coaches teaching him how to play the 200 200 foot hockey game and and you know if those kids can learn that quicker um i think if you really watched uh, the way arizona played this year at the start of the year one of the worst teams and now they're one of the better teams and sure maybe teams take them lightly but if you talk to you know you listen to rick talk when he was talking is these young kids need to learn to play the 200 foot game and i think they've tried to reiterate that in their ears and get it embedded in their heads and these kids are starting to do that and now they're seeing results and obviously with the second part of the season they want to follow off of that going into next season and uh but it's hard for a kid to play that 200 foot game when they're used to all the razzle dazzle getting all these points they think it'll just come easy they don't want to play in the defensive zone but they don't realize when you play in the defensive zone sometimes that's going to get more offense as well you know you try to you hear some coaches talk about it you try to create offense from playing good defense and uh, some of these kids think well I may, I'd rather just play <laughs> offense and not play defense but once they learn it's that's where that's where they separate themselves the best players in the NHL separate themselves well yes um, and, and these days in the NHL um, there are a few guys who can maybe get away without playing a 200-foot game. You know, some of the pure scorers, the superstars of the game can get away without, without doing it. But in this day and age, if you're not one of the five or ten best guys in the NHL, and by the way, the five, the, typically the top five guys in the NHL are playing both ways. Yeah. Um, but if you're not, I mean... You're going to have a tough time keeping your roster spot on an NHL team if you're not playing the whole way. Yeah. And what I've noticed, and some of this is anecdotal, but what I've noticed is when they're getting these guys out of the CHL, um, probably more than out of college, but, but from wherever, if you've been a stud your whole career and you haven't, you haven't had the fortune that Zach was talking about of, of, of having a year where he had to learn the whole rink. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it when you get to the pros is not the optimal time to do that. Um, and you better do it pretty quickly or that team's going to kind of pretty quickly sour on you. Oh, in a heartbeat. I mean, you, these, these teams are paying a lot of money, so they want these guys to, to play the right way. And I think you really look at one guy, too. And I just remember this guy because he was drafted uh, third overall behind, uh, or no, behind Laney and those guys the year that they were drafted. Uh, Dubois from Columbus. There's a lot of talk they were going to take that Puyarvi from, uh, Ed- but Ed- Edmonton ended up taking him. You know, and he was one of the high flying guys in the Quebec League and came in and. You know, didn't play great in the World Juniors, didn't do much. But now they sent him to the minors, told him he has to work on his game, 200-foot hockey. Now he's their number one centerman, and he's playing 200-feet hockey, and he's a key component to their team this year. And he's he's not going to win the Calder, but he's in the Calder race just because of the way he plays. It, but what you see in some of those cases is you see a guy who may be able to play in the NHL who's being forced to play a year or more in the A to learn that part of the game. Instead of having him be a non-good defensive player playing the third or fourth line in the NHL or whatever, they're forcing him to play in the minors um, to build that part of their game before they bring him back up. Yep. Um, and and what I'm seeing is 
a lot of the good guys, they'll embrace that role. They'll understand it's it's what they need to do to get their game to the next level. But but if you look real hard on some of those rosters, it also appears you're seeing some guys who either are unable to or unwilling to um, learn that part of the game. Yeah. And um, it doesn't take long before they appear to be playing in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, case in point for me, I was just in Toronto. Uh, and you watch up there, and that Nylander, who had to play center with Austin Matthews out the last little while, only had one goal, and he was a minus whatever he was, but put him on the wing, and he's a, and he's a highlight. Because you can cheat a little bit, as they say, on the wings. You can you can cheat on the defensive side, whereas a centerman, you have to be lights out at both ends of the rink. And you, you're getting you're often picking up the puck behind the net. Yeah. So, so, you, so, so you're you not get, you're not cheating as a uh, well. Maybe. You, know, you know who's made a great career? Phil Kessel. Not the greatest defense, but he's a winger. So he can cheat the odd time, and he's got speed to get by guys, do things. But he's always pretty much had some pretty good centermen that can play in their defensive zone and maybe hide his, which you can live with his defensive deficiencies when he puts numbers up the way he does, but you have to hide him on the wing. If he played center and be lights out, he wouldn't have a career in the NHL. Correct. You know, but that's, that's where you have to. But he's made a better – he's been better in Pittsburgh. Um on the defensive side. Yeah, he, he still, he had still a per- You can see that. He's Before leave. Pittsburgh resurrected his career, his, yeah. he was looking like he was on his way out of the league. Yeah, for sure. A- and uh, um, he bought in or did whatever. They found the right combination or, you know, all those kind of things. And and um, But you raise a good point about um, the wings sometimes can cheat. They sometimes get opportunities that centermen don't. Um, centermen are centermen have to play a two hundred foot game. Yep. Um, and you know if if you're not willing to do that, at least start <laughs> thinking about. Don't try to be a centerman and play a, a an eighty foot game. Yeah. Because you got no career out yeah, there. That's for sure. Well, you know another great show. You know uh, it was fun. Great to talk to Zach. I think that'll be really uh, really good for the kids that listen to hear how his path took and what he did to get to where he's at and. Obviously, he's not done. He's trying to, to continue his career and hopefully get to the NHL at some point. But uh, it was fun talking to him, and, uh, and it was a great show. It was. Hey, and we got one left this year. We're going to do one after USA Hockey Nationals. It is, I think, the week before the the, the Ontario Provincials. But uh, one, one show left. Um, it's been a great season so far. We'll, we'll see everyone in a couple weeks. Sounds good.